Welcome to Centered Sunday with the Resilient Me, your host, Sharice Shy Holmes. So we are continuing the conversation of staying in our bag and being the bag, really. And today we're talking about five tips to find a job that matches your passion. Now, I'm sharing this in retrospect of the things that I wish I knew, mistakes that I've made, and things that actually worked out for me. So I would say the first part to finding a job that matches your passion, number one, you need to make sure you're clear with company qualities that are important to you, okay? Technically, this is not five tips. This is like six. (laughs) Now that I think about it. (laughs) Sorry. This was supposed to be like pre-work and then I'm going to give you the five tips. Okay, so we're just going to call this pre-work and then I'll give you the five tips. So scratch what I just said, number one. All right. Even though I'm about to give you four more under this number one. (laughs) Just go with me here. Okay. So defining um, what the company qualities are that are important to you. Okay. So for me, that meant assessing the strength of their team work, I guess you could say. Assessing the strength of their their ability to do teamwork. So there are a lot of positions that give you the idea that you're a family, you're a one, you're part of the tribe, you're an owner, they use partner, um, they use all kinds of whatever words to identify people to give them a sense of belonging. That doesn't necessarily mean that because they use those words and the language and materials that you see online on their website, that they're actually doing that in the workplace. So they may call you a team, but you may have to do a lot of individual work. So, or you may do a lot of teamwork, but it's not managed well. So you wanna assess the strength of their teamwork while you're in the interview, ask those kind of questions. And if you need reference for that, check out the last podcast episode. I think I gave 10 in some bonus questions that you can use in the interview to help you assess this. Number two, you want to look at their, what are they rewarding, um, which is more like a meritocracy. Like what are they rewarding in their culture? Do they lean more on because you've been here longer, seniority, um, you have more experience, we reward those people with new opportunities before we award the new hires with that. Or do they reward innovation and creativity? And in that case, it's kind of like fair game, no matter if you're new or if you've been there for a while. You want to figure out how they work in regards to rewarding their employees. What are they championing and what are they celebrating? And if that's in connection with you, do you want to be celebrated for how long you've been in the organization and have first crack at based on the time you've had with the company? Or do you want an equal playing field so that your new idea is rated and rewarded? If it's pros and cons for each one, so you got to get real clear on what matters to you. Because a lot of, I would say, those that are more interested in senior time at a position, it offers more protection and security. So I, that's definitely a pro for a lot of people and may not be, you may not be as interested in, you know, them investing in those that are creative and innovative. So just to give you a reason as to why you might like that. Just wanted to share that. And the next one would be, are they mission driven? Is the company mission driven? Not do you have a mission on your website, 
but do you actually live and follow out your mission in your company? And what is that mission? What are you trying to do? What are they trying to accomplish? And is that something that you can believe and attach yourself to? You know, are they deterring and detecting fraud, waste, and abuse and, you know, saving taxpayers money? That's something that you can attach to and say, yeah, I can, I can, I can feel like my work is important and it means something there. That's what they do. So get real clear on whether the company is mission driven and whether or not that you can connect to the mission. And then the next one I would say is, do they have a high accountability culture? Do they stand on what they say basically is what I'm saying. You do what you say, your team does what they say, and your manager is clear about goals, priorities, and can usually give you like a rough framework for how things are supposed to be done. Sometimes, especially for newer organizations, if you read a job description and it says, we're looking for a go-getter, a self-starter, who can jump in and wear a lot of hats. Okay, don't expect high accountability culture there. And what I mean by that is, Things are so fluid and open at this point in this company that there it's going to be hard to be super accountable. I mean, of course, we can be accountable to deadlines, but it's going to be hard to be super accountable because they're probably not going to have a way to really train you. And you're coming in and creating the structure. You're creating the format. You're building it up from the ground up so you get to make it what you want. So that could be a positive for you. Or if you really do like having training and having your manager have clear-cut goals and deadlines, that is something that you need to pay attention to. What does the accountability look like in this position? And number five, um, I I didn't mean to say that. (laughs) I just wrote it down that way and I'm saying it, sorry. Anyway, the next one is transparency. How transparent are the leaders in the organization? So you can have some managers who feel like they don't have to tell you nothing, and they operate in a hierarchy, and you can tell by how they seat people in the room, even in an an interview, you can tell. If they have to sit in the middle or if they have to sit at the head of the table, you can kind of understand, okay, so he definitely operates more in a hierarchical fashion. And I don't know, some people prefer to have to be in organizations that are more level um, and decentralized where just because you're the CEO doesn't mean you get to be the star of every single show. So, or just because you're the manager or regional manager, you don't get to take up all the oxygen in the room, okay? So you can kind of see that in an interview and these are the things that I think you have to, have to, have to pay attention to. And also, when you get into the organization, you can also tell based on how the managers talk to you. Do they do the managers give you information, good or bad, before it trickles down? Or do they just wait for it to be a company standard and then they tell you? I mean, even in that regard, that's an opportunity for you to transfer teams. If you know another manager doesn't operate that way, you can always make a move, make a shift. All right. Now, getting into the actual five tips that we can now number, the first one I want to say, and one I did not understand until later, is to develop your network. Number one, develop your network. You will have a better understanding of how companies and more specifically managers work if you know someone who already works there. I did not understand this in college. 
I thought it was me and the computer and the company I was applying to. I did not understand the value of building up a network and the value of knowing someone, quote unquote, who's on the inside, who can give me the in-in scoop of how things really work. And they can give you an accurate, uncanned assessment of what you can expect. And you get the added benefit of them possibly putting in a good word for you and vouching for your professional expertise. This is one thing I've had to learn over time is that we cannot grow ourselves by ourselves. We cannot grow ourselves by ourselves. So your network is valuable. Whether you're attending outside organizations and meeting up with women um, women in business or mompreneurs or Whatever you're looking for, find a place to plug yourself in with other women that are locally in your area that you can talk to, engage with, and build your network up. I mean, Meetup's a great place for you to find groups like that. I mean, of course, Facebook too, but I think that's a little, I'm not entirely sure you can search by location, but maybe you can. I'm not a big Facebook person. Okay, (laughs) number two, y'all are going to laugh at this one, but it's very true. Number two, become an investigator, okay? So number one was develop your network and number two was become an investigator. All the spy skills, some of us, I won't say any names like myself, all the spy skills some of us have used in dating, especially if it's like dating, like when I was trying to date um, on these apps and stuff and I literally don't know you. I would go into like super stealth mode and start researching them on all their social media handles. So Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. What else was cool at the time? I don't know. But there, I mean, TikTok now, I guess you could do that too. And Twitter and get real clear like, okay, I know you're you're showing me your representative, right? And the company website is the representative that they want you to see. Just like when the person has their dating pro- profile, they're showing you their representative. But if I go scroll on your Facebook page or if I go scroll through your Instagram, I got years worth of content and I can really see <laughs> who you are. So go check out their social media at the very least. Think about it like this. When you're interviewing for a company, you're basically signing up to spend 50% of your time. And if we include average transportation time to and from work, that number increases to 58% of your time at work. 58% of your time. We do way more research for guys that we're dating that we're not spending 58% of our time with than we do for companies that we're literally giving half our life away to. So do your your research, check out all their social media handles, see what organizations they support, including down to their um, philanthropic work. Go check them out too. That'll tell you a lot about what they believe in and what they stand for. Also, in these social media um, pages and stuff that they have, if you see them actually name executives or people that work for the company, go check them out too. Try to get a real clear picture of what they're portraying true. Because I think what we take into account is that everything is at the at the reach of our fingertips. And we can we can read about a company and then Google them and see if there's any third party like news articles about the company or any scandals they have or or any lawsuits that are coming up. 
so that you are fully aware of what you're getting into. All right, that's the skeptical Cherise right there. Okay, number three, read their value and mission statement. Um, this should be what the culture is founded on and you can compare the statements of how the interviewers respond when you ask questions about their mission or the value statement in the interview to what is actually being portrayed. If they can't answer questions in the interview on the value or the mission statement of the company, you already know the mission statement is false. It is probably going to be a big red flag for me because although that may be something the CEO believes or who knows who conjured it up or put it on there to make it look pretty, that doesn't mean that they're instituting any of it in the workplace, which would lead me to believe you guys are creating one face for the public, but not actually instituting, instituting that in the workplace. That's a problem for me. So be mindful of that. And speaking of interview questions, excuse me, number three, interview questions around their value and mission statement. Number four, ask questions in the interview. And I'm not going to beat a dead horse on this podcast because last week I gave you 10 in-depth questions plus bonus questions that you can ask the interviewers in your interview. This is what I do want to highlight here. When you're asking questions in the interview, Pay attention to what's not being said, body language, tone of voice, facial expressions, level of engagement and interaction with other interviewers, okay? So depending on the job, you might only interview with one person or you might interview with the panel. How does the panel interact amongst themselves? How, even when, when from the time they come and pick you up at the door or the lobby or wherever, how do they interact with their staff and the other employees as they take you from the lobby to the interview room? Are they speaking to people? Are they saying hello? Are people just looking at them? Are people ignoring that they even walk by? Like These are all indications of the company culture and what is important to them. I can tell you without a doubt, it makes a difference. I, ha- I know, I've been in both situations. I've been in a place where I went to the interview, they came to get me out of the lobby, and the time we walked from the lobby to the interview room, they spoke to several people and had very small interactions with them, but they still did. And those employees also spoke to me. And then they introduced me to them as well. That makes a difference. And I've also been in a situation where the person came to get me, we walked from the lobby to the interview room, and he walked past several people and didn't speak. Now, they could have already spoken to each other, but it was just like a stone cold, like, full steam ahead. <laughs> Nothing, no no interaction at all. And that was a very interesting environment to be in, I'll tell you that. It wasn't the worst that I've been in, but it was very interesting. <laughs> so, you want to pay attention to all those things that are not being said in addition to the interview questions that I shared with you last week. And then number five, which I think is the most important out of all of these, is to match your passions with your work. So I know this may be harder to do when you're first trying to gain experience and you're kind of like just coming out of college, like I'm strapped for cash, I have student loans, and I need to make some money fast, it's a pandemic, I know there's so many things going on, it's almost like, let me just, if I can get a job, I'll take what I can get. Again, let's go back to those statistics. 50% of your lifetime is spent at work. 
at this particular stage in the game, like your overall life, I think the actual number is one third of your life, but that's still quite, quite a bit of time. And then you add in transportation. So 58% of your life in this moment in time is spent at work. Do you really want to work for a company that you don't believe in their mission? You're stressed financially because you're strapped for cash and you have to pay student loan debt back. And then you're just angry and like trying to figure out how you can get the next promotion. You like the whole thing is sourced in scarcity and lack. It's not going to make for a good experience for you. And you're going to feel like that place is sucking your soul. And to be fair, they're not sucking your soul. You signed up for that job. They didn't force you. You did that. So I would say if you have to take, take whatever job you have to, but in the meantime, Still keep interviewing and looking for jobs that match your passion. It is going to be well worth it. So in regards to passion, if you are service oriented, you like helping small businesses or small business owners, or you have a job, you want a job that requires you to strategize and innovate. And if that appeals to you, those are the kind of opportunities you're looking for and asking about in the interview. Because that's what's going to light you up. That's what's going to give you the intrinsic value. That's going to make you feel fulfilled and like you have purpose and meaningful work. We all want meaningful work. Nobody wants to work for some crappy place and feel like they've stolen the best years of your life. Sounds like a relationship. (laughs) So, yes, this is the most important. Match your passions with your job. Be clear on what you're passionate about and make sure that your company, the company that you're applying to matches you. Uh, And don't get caught up in benefits and pay. I know sometimes that can look super sexy and appealing, but that gets old, y'all. That gets old, y'all. So, again, don't make those mistakes. I'm telling you. And speaking of mistakes, we're just going to talk about my mistakes. How about that? So, my my biggest problem, (laughs) these, these tips I basically can create it from what I did wrong. My biggest problem is I didn't understand what was important to me in the workplace. I didn't have any idea. So I just kind of like took whatever came, took whatever was available to me and I hadn't any framework as to what I needed. So I would go into the interviews as the person who didn't have many questions. I had questions, but they were real basic. Like, What's the ideal work day of the person that you're hiring? What kind of job tasks would they be doing? I was asking those kind of questions. Not home hard-hitting questions about training and teamwork and their values and their mission. Like I wasn't asking those kind of questions. So getting clear on understanding that makes a huge difference and difference and I didn't even know like what values to look for so if you are still if you've been in the game and you're in thir- you're 30 years old you've been in the game for for a while the job market for a ri- for a while then you already know what values you appreciate articulate that like actually write that down on a sheet of paper so that you can be clear on what you're looking for I mean, again, kind of taking this back to dating, our dating profiles will have so much detail of what we're looking for in a man, but we don't, we can't articulate that when it comes to a job and we should, 
That's like majoring in the majors and minoring in the minors. Like, I mean, sorry, that's, I said that completely wrong. That's majoring in the minors or minoring in the majors. <laughs> Both are major. We need to major in the majors. Looking for a mate is just as important as applying for a job. Major in both, okay? So, also, I didn't know what to look for about, like, a high accountability culture, having managers that support you and your work, that they create opportunities. If you're looking for something to grow or invest in, that they support that. Those are questions that you could ask in the interview. I actually did, like, my last job, I asked those questions, and he had very good, clear answers, and he delivered when I came in. I knew he was going to deliver, though, because I paid attention a lot to everything else that wasn't being said. Um, so that's something that you have to be clear on. It makes a huge difference in your act that you believe you can have. And then also, I had to be wholly intentional with what I was doing. I know as I was going through and learning and gaining experience and growing my network, those things changed for me. But be intentional about your job application. Don't just apply to a bunch of jobs because you're sick of your manager or you want to get paid for it. That's just not enough. You have to start applying in a strategic and intentional manner because that means you can create a better quality resume. You can create a better quality cover level. You can show up better. You can be more engaged. It's it's not like a shotgun effect. Let me just, I know that's kind of like how we've, we've transitioned because we know it's a computer system. So just apply, 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 and then see what happens. But I, I, I'm telling you this. Listen, let me, let me give, give you this story. So when I was living in California back in 2015, 20, 2014, 2014, I felt like it was time for me to move and I wanted to come back to Chicago to help my grandparents, more specifically to help my grandfather because there was a lot of things going on with his health and I just felt a need to come back and support. So I told God this. I said, God, if this is you, I'm not applying to a bunch of jobs. I'm applying to a few. And if it works, it works. Okay. Now, obviously, I was sitting in, in a decent place financially for me to have this concept and idea. But I wish, like, knowing that when you ask for something and you put that intention out there that it's going to be answered that's making a huge that makes a huge difference and it would have made a huge difference when i was applying in my younger years i applied to three jobs y'all three what i wholeheartedly knew they probably weren't gonna hire me but it just sounded i was like actuary that sounds cool <laughs> i didn't even have the degree for it so they didn't hire me i also applied to chase they called me to do an interview i turned down the job and I was like, okay, God, I applied for the other position. And I didn't hear from them for like a month and a half. And I was like, oh, I guess that didn't work out. But I was like, I'm still only applying to jobs that light me up, that bring me joy, that I read their mission statement. I look at the job description. I'm like, yes, that's me. I can do that. And so I was reading a lot, y'all, and not applying. And I... It could, like, scarcity, fear, lack can come in and make you think, like, I should be applying. I should be applying. I got to put myself out there. If I don't put myself out there, no one's going to hire me. I think a month and a half after I applied, I got a phone call. 
And basically, yeah, I applied to three jobs, didn't qualify for one, and two offered me an interview, and I took one. And that's how simple it was. And I made a major move from California to Chicago, and I've been doing, you know, phenomenal since then. So I want to encourage you all to shift your thinking when it comes to job hunting and to focus on these five tips. It'll make a huge, huge difference. All right. Now, I'm going to share some up and coming news that isn't quite hashed out, but I just want to give all of my listeners a heads up. So Resilient Me is, is like shifting and taking on a different perspective, I would say, but still keeping some of the things that I started with. I, I want to stay focused on mindset and how to grow ourselves personally, but it's going to be taking more of a business angle as well. So it's going to be mindset and business. I just want to give you guys a heads up so you're not like, why is she all of a sudden talking about business a lot <laughs> and and only half the time talking about mindset because I'm taking a different shift. I am rebranding and reframing what I'm offering. And I think this came because a lot of my clients that hired me as a life coach all want help with their business. And I realized that, listen, if that's what they want and that's what they need and that's what lights Sharice up, I could talk about business all day, y'all. Then obviously that's what I should be doing. So just giving you clarity of the shift that is to come. I hope you all enjoy it. Um, if you guys have any topics on business that you would like me to cover, send me an email at ask@theresilientme.com. All right, let's close out and say our affirmations for the week. I am wanted, I am loved, and I belong. All right, my beautiful sisters, that is our podcast for the week. Have an amazing week. Love y'all.